the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Among the stars. Shining a light on the leaders and luminaries of today and tomorrow. You're listening to True North with your host, Dirk Hobbs. Good morning, Southern Colorado. Welcome to Saturday. Today is October 28th. It is 2023 still. And it is fall officially here in Southern Colorado. Our summer is gone. We had about 15 minutes of fall. And uh, I think I think we might be headlong into winter here. Uh, that's not fair. We, we need our warm weather back, man. So you're listening to True North here on AM 1460 and 101.1 The Answer. That means it's 8 o'clock on Saturday morning. I'm your host, Dirk Hobbs. Glad you're with us. Uh, that, you know, it's, I, I, miss, I miss the fall. I mean, it's so short here, but it is gorgeous. You get those reds, those golds, those oranges, contrasting with that cobalt blue sky only in Colorado. Maybe a few other states, but here in Colorado, it's just better that way. But it's cool out there, and we're going to get a little colder tomorrow. Uh, so this is definitely a indoor college football day. So perfect fall day to watch some uh, our seven and zero, number nineteenth ranked Air Force Falcons. They are headed to Canvas Field in Fort Collins tonight to take on the CSU Rams at seven o'clock on CBS. This is a big show. Uh, the nineteen Falcons are. Are, are the real deal. So congratulations to the fellas out there, Coach Calhoun and company. You guys are rocking it. Good luck to you tonight. Uh, I know if, if I know anything about Coach Calhoun, he's telling them to keep their head down and get their jobs done. Don't start looking forward yet because they still got a, a little bit, uh, uh, some landmines out there between now and bowl season. So get yourself a hot toddy, find a soft surface, and enjoy the game. Uh, of course, the final step of retaining the Commander-in-Chief trophy is still to come on November 4th. Army's going to come into Empower Field up in Denver, so we're going to Mile High to watch the Falcons take on the Army. And uh, hopefully that will seal the deal for the Commander-in-Chief trophy, uh, Commander in Chief trophy mm-hmm. once again here in Colorado Springs. So uh, the four and three CU Buffs are in L.A. today. They're taking on number 23 UCLA at the Rose Bowl. So uh, take a quick look at what they're doing. Hopefully uh, Coach Prime and company uh, can get back on track here. And, of course, a lot of people say, why, why do you talk about Southeast Conference football on this show? We live in Colorado. Well, there's a lot of people that migrate here from other parts of the world, and I'm one of them. And I hailed from Ole Miss. So my guys, my Rebels, are 6-1. and one. They're the number 12 team in the nation, depending on the poll you look at, 12 or 13. They are back in Oxford, Mississippi, playing Vanderbilt, uh, which should be an, a, a pretty decent afternoon for them. But again, the, 
you know, coach makes sure they keep their nose down and do the job at hand. But they're on a great momentum streak here. We walked out of Auburn last week with a win, and uh, 28-21 just got out of there. So also this past week, the Colorado Springs Sports Hall of Fame was uh, happening here in Southern Colorado. A bunch of inductees, including Apollo Ono, uh, Olympian uh, of fame here in the Springs region. So that event was hosted at the Broadmoor World Arena on Wednesday. And uh, a lot of those great athletes, uh, not just not just Olympians, not just professional athletes, but a lot of high school teams and coaches and other community people were involved in this. And it was a great night, and uh, congratulations to Colorado Springs Sports Corp., another great event down there at the Broadmoor World Arena. All right, friends, uh, let's get to why we're really here. Uh, our friends over at the United States Olympic and Paralympic Training Center have hooked us up Again, uh, with one of the most prolific snowboarders that is on the tour right now, I'm on the phone with Noah Elliott, who is in Park City, Utah right now at preseason training camp. He's getting ready for World Cup season, which is coming up in December. Uh, he's a uh, two-time Paralympian Winter Games participant. He was in the Beijing Games in 2022. And then he brought back some hardware from Pyeongchang in 2018. He brought back a gold for banked slalom and then the bronze for snowboard cross. And then, of course, he's got a couple of pieces of hardware from his world championships in 2021. He got gold for dual banked slalom and two silvers for in 2023 for snowboard cross and snowboard cross team. Welcome, Elliot. Mr. Elliot. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks for having me, Dirk. I'm extremely excited to be on the show today and to be talking with our audience and yourself. I'm very excited to be here. Well, it's an honor to speak with you, Noah. And uh, so you're in Park City right now. Is it cold up there? It's actually, man, it's kind of funny because I left Colorado Springs. You know, we got a little bit of warm weather right before the cold hit again. And I get here and the weather was nice for like a day. And now all the temperatures are dropping and all the leaves are gone. So yep. um, getting into winter season, like you were saying. That's awesome. So, uh, how long's your tour out there this this go around? Uh, this one's actually a short one. It's only a week long, but uh, very intensive and uh, very much a lot of training. You know, we've been even working on things that uh, I've never done before, which has been pretty exciting to kind of incorporate into my new training regimen. All right. Well, let's let's get to know you a little bit. I know you come from the Midwest, and uh, you've had what I can only call an amazing journey to where you are today. Uh, first of all, let us get to know you, the young Noah Elliott, uh, from St. Louis. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, well, you know, my story started off in St. Louis, Missouri. You know, as you said, like a lot of people migrate from other parts to Colorado because it is so beautiful. And, mm -hmm. you know, I grew up skateboarding in Missouri and, that was something that I learned at an early age. I wanted to continue to pursue and hopefully become a professional skateboarder. And when I was at the age of 15 years old, um, my daughter Skylar was born. And at that time, I realized that now I was only, you know, I wasn't only working for myself. I was working for someone else. And now being a teen parent, without having the opportunity, being so young, to establish a career for myself, uh, I knew that I needed to focus and really bring something together so my family could be provided for. And what I ended up finding was my, my goal was to become a pro skateboarder, and I was well on my way. And all of a sudden, I started having pains in my left leg. 
Mm. And I couldn't figure out what was causing it. You know, I saw something happen on the skateboard. You know, I went into the children's hospital and got x-rays done. And shortly after, got called over to a different building. And that's when the x-rays were pulled up and read. And I learned that I now had osteosarcoma bone cancer. Mm. And that was a really, um, really, really hard point for me. You know, it's like... Well, you're 15. Am I going to, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you've, and I, you've I, got a daughter. I mean, clearly you have a mindset, uh, an incredible mindset to step up and say, okay, my my uh, self-involved days are over. I've got a little girl to provide for here. Uh, so you got that. That's an amazing recognition, an amazing change for, for a guy who's only 15. And then to have this happen, that, that must have just stopped your heart man, it really did. And that was the point where, you know, I, I learned that, you know, if I did have a chance to survive the cancer and I did have a second chance at life, I wanted to make sure I could live it to the fullest and be the best that I could be. And that kind of continued on, you know, I started my chemotherapy, I got my first surgery, which was a limb salvage surgery to save my leg. Mm -hmm. And I ended up with a total knee replacement, a tibia bone replacement, started doing my rehabilitation. And you know, I finally, a couple months later, got those amazing words that you are now cancer-free. And, you know, my eyes lit up more than I could ever explain. And it really showed me at that moment, like, okay, I do have a chance at this. And shortly after that, I learned that I needed a second surgery because my leg was actually infected now and my body was rejecting the total knee replacement and all the metal that was in there. Oh, no. So when I was 17 years old, I uh, made the decision to amputate my left leg above the knee so that I could pursue Paralympic snowboarding. And... um yeah, I mean, that was that was my goal, you know, and I started oh saving money. I was doing keynote presentations back in Missouri and did a fundraiser and was able to start moving um, to start my journey in Paralympic snowboarding and shortly after made it to my first games and, um, you know, kind of jump-started my career. So, Noah, back back to uh, when you were can first diagnosed and then presumed cancer-free, uh, what, about a year later maybe? Yeah. 20, uh, so that's 2014. Uh, parents are riding this journey shotgun with you. Do you have other siblings in the mix here as well? I do. I'm actually uh, the only boy in an all-girl family, and I'm the youngest. <laughs> so I've got all older sisters, and I've got four of them. And uh, so that made life pretty interesting growing up. Yeah. Well, God bless you. And they were all seriously concerned for you. Now, when when you were first pronounced as cancer free, did you th was your goal to go back to skateboarding or had you shifted your interest at that point? You know, it was really interesting because I actually was extremely lucky to have seen the Sochi Paralympics on TV at the end of my cancer treatment. And that's what really inspired me, you know, and I saw snowboarding. And when I watched the Sochi Paralympic introduce Paralympic snowboarding, I saw three American snowboarders with prosthetic legs sweep the poles and the podium. And so that's really where it started. Hmm. And shortly after I got invited from an organization called the Sunshine Kids Foundation, they um, get, sent me on a trip for kids with cancer to experience the mountains. And it was my first time ever seeing the mountains. I got sent to Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and I fell in love with the mountains and knew that I had to move to Colorado and start pursuing this journey. And, um, that's what I went back and started doing my fundraising and, uh, my, my presentations and starting to try to make my way. Good grief, brother. You are a strong fella, and I love your spirit. We're hanging out with Noah Elliott, who is a two-time Olympic 
uh, Paralympic champion, and he's got uh, he's got a gold, he's got bronze uh, from both the uh, Paralympic Games in Pyeongchang and the World Championships. Uh, quite a story here, folks. Uh, no no room for uh, self doubt and uh, what to do next. I mean, this guy knew exactly what he wanted to do as he's recovering from cancer. Uh, at the St. Louis Children's Hospital. And God bless you, my friend. I'm glad you're with us. And uh, I can't wait to really dive in in the next quarter to hear about some of those first runs uh, as you're getting acquainted with snow and the mountains and everything else and what would later become your athletic career. Back with Noah Elliott in just a moment. I got a nightmare phone call that no parent wants to receive. Someone hit me going 60 miles an hour. Dr. Ramos uh, came highly recommended. When I showed him the x-rays, he immediately knew exactly what was wrong. We've had a tremendous experience with Ramos Law. Really, I could not be happier. Having the car accident was an accident. Finding Ramos Law was no accident. Injured in a car accident? Ramos Law can help. RamosLaw.com. All right, we're back here, second quarter, True North. You're listening to uh, Dirk Hobbs. I'm your host. And uh, more importantly, you're listening to a young man who does not know the meaning of the word adversity. Uh, he's had it, but he knows how to un- uncover it and and capitalize on it and take advantage of it. Uh, nobody embodies the human spirit more than this young man that I'm talking to. Noah Elliott is a world-class uh, Paralympian snowboarder, and he has had quite a journey in 2015. Uh, at the tender, excuse me, 2013. At the tender age of 15, he had his his first child, and uh, that same year he was diagnosed with a very serious cancer, uh, and ended up uh, having his leg amputated. Uh, no, welcome back. Appreciate you being here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Extremely excited to be here and to be talking with you. Well, uh, it's it's very impressive your your fortitude and in, in the way you look at the world because uh, you're not one to kind of sit down and pout and say life dealt me a bad hand. I guess I'm just going to check out. Uh, in fact, you are a complete opposite of that. And this is what's so fascinating about your story is how you have dealt with the hands that you've been dealt and you've. You're, you're pretty impressive, fella. Uh, you, you took on your daughter, and then right uh, that same year, you took on cancer. And here you are in Park City, Utah right now, uh, hanging out, getting some additional training uh, for what you're going to do in the coming years. So welcome back. Appreciate you being here. Uh, we were just starting to talk to you about getting on a snowboard for the first time. And uh, yeah. that was just a few short years after your cancer diagnosis and after you're uh, were diagnosed or uh, pronounced cancer free how much time elapsed before in between that time and when you first strapped on your first snowboard I actually so it was crazy because you know I, I had this cancer diagnosis I had gotten cancer free which was amazing I had passed that but nobody really talks about the after effects right and so the after effects was what was really like the mentality of coming out of that was, you know, it's still scary. The The world feels like a new place. It's almost like, you know, you, you were so close to death that now you're coming out of it. And so everything just seems heightened and all the emotions of everything. Um, 
are heightened. And so I was very driven towards my goals because this was my second chance at life. And so I was 2014 when I finished my treatment. It was 2015 when I got my leg amputated. And in 2017, I had moved actually where I'm at right now in Park City, Utah was the first place I went to start snowboarding. Um, yeah, I actually came out here and well, actually, I, I had two days at this camp for kids with cancer at Steamboat Springs, Colorado, where okay. I got on snow for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I wasn't able to snowboard because I had my leg still. Right. And so I actually rode like a ski bike, you know, down the hill and had an instructor with me. And after I, I got my amputation and the Sunshine Kids found out about it, they actually sent me back to Steamboat Springs for a second time. And I got to snowboard for two days with my prosthetic that I had just gotten, you know, so this was 2015 and man, was it hard, you know, I mean, we're talking about not only am I, you know, just learning how to walk with a prosthesis, but now I'm trying to learn how to snowboard (laughs) with the prosthesis (laughs) as a one legger. And that was, that was pretty challenging. Um, there was a lot of edges that I was clipping, a lot of face plants, you know, a lot of scorpions, a lot of fall in the back, um, all the fun (laughs) stuff, you know, that sometimes hurt, but, I just kept getting back up and kept trying. And when I left that camp, I was extremely inspired and knew that I was going to pursue this full time. And I knew that I needed to get a different prosthetic for it because the thing about prosthetics, everyone is different. Uh You know, every single device is made for something else. And there's some that are strictly for walking. There's some that are for sports and some that are for running. And so I had to get a leg that would work for snowboarding. And so that's when I started fundraising and got my first leg. And then I moved to Park City, Utah, and got to snowboard for the first time with my snowboard leg. Wow. And it was crazy. That you know, it was the, the it was the beginning of the season, like kind of like this, where like you get a little bit of snow and the resorts start blowing snow, mm-hmm. but nowhere else had snow. Right. And somebody told me that I was working with at a snowboard shop because I knew that I needed to learn about the equipment. So Mm -hmm. I I got a job at a snowboard shop as soon as I got to Park City, Utah, and I was learning about the equipment that I was going to be using and had a pass. And that was the biggest part because everyone knows that skiing and snowboarding is a very expensive thing to get into. And for me, it was now I have a job. Now I have a ski pass. Now I can begin this journey of snowboarding. Wow. So at at what point did becoming a Paralympian really start to become a reality for you? When I first started in Park City, Utah, on my snowboard leg, it was like relearning how to snowboard after those one those two little days that I had in Steamboat because it was a different leg and it, it acted different. It started to become reality towards the end of that season, and this was a 16-17 season. And I actually met on the mountain because I was with an instructor with the National Ability Center uh, for people with disabilities, and we went into a lodge. We were on the mountain that day, and we went into the lodge, and he goes, do you know who that is? And I'm like, no, who is it? He said, that's Graham Watanabe. That's like, he's a former Olympian in snowboarding, and he's actually the secondary coach for the Paralympic snowboard team at the time. He's like, dude, you got to go talk to him. Wow. And I went and talked to Graham, and Graham saw the potential immediately. He said, I want to keep in touch with you. you got to try to go to nationals and compete. And I went to nationals, and right after the national event in Copper, Colorado, he said, do you have a passport? And I'm like, no, I don't have a passport. <laughs> you know, I was, I was 19 years old. Uh, yeah, 19, 20 years old at that point. And I was like, I don't have a passport. He's like, you got to get a passport. We got to get you to your first World Cup. And that's when the introductory to actually getting to the World Cup circuit started. Wow. So how are you balancing all this? I mean, adopting 
and adapting to a prosthetic uh, that is geared for you to be on the mountain. And, uh, you know, now you're, you're also a father. You're raising a little girl. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you balance that, man? It was extremely difficult. Uh, there, were, there was a lot of things that were going on because um, actually at the time, you know, we were so young. You know, me and my girlfriend were so young at the time. Sure. Um, and, and we had a child now. And so that that is an extreme stressor. And so what ended up happening is all of a sudden I got this cancer diagnosis. So, um, you know, me and the mom actually didn't stay together. Um, the mom actually didn't really... I think it was just a lot to deal with as a sure. kid, you know, yeah. and, it, and it was an extreme amount. And for anyone, even an adult, you know, it's just, it's a lot. And um, so we didn't stay together and the mom kind of went, went her separate way. And my daughter actually was taken care of by my mom and mm-hmm. the grandparents on the other side of the family to help support me for a little bit while I was recovering from surgeries. Um, I would still watch her and everything and hang out with her. And like, she was my daughter, I would feed her, do all the things. But I also had that family support, which was a huge key role in my success. Because when I first moved to Park City, I had a year and a half between when I moved here and when the first Paralympic Games in 2018 was going on. And so I actually, during that time, um, my daughter was with my mom and the other side of the family. And I would just make flights to go back so that I could see her. Um, and when I actually made it to the Paralympic Games in 2018, um, then that's when I got the medals, and that's when I was able to go back home and get my daughter for the full time and actually raise her uh, on my own and bring her out with me. And she's with you now? Yeah, she's with me full time. She's a Colorado Springs kid now and just <laughs> having a great time with her friends. <laughs> Absolutely love it, brother. Well, uh, thanks for sharing that piece. I appreciate it. Now, uh, so back back to you on the slopes at Park City, and and you're getting your uh, uh, bearings on on how you're going to do this with a prosthetic limb. You find this coach, uh, you find each other. He asks you if you've got a passport. You end up on this tour. Um, at, at what point did you did it really sink in for you that this this is my this is my wheelhouse? I, I live here. I belong here. Man, it had to have happened when I got to Finland. Okay. It was my it was my third World Cup. We had just flown all the way across the world. It was my third country that I'd ever been to. I was ecstatic to be there. I really wanted to take in everything that was brought my way and experience the culture and, you know, really, like, try to make myself at home in Finland. And when we were there, we had some of the gnarliest weather. We were actually because it's so far north and the time of the year that we go there, mm-hmm. there's only, like, three or four hours of daylight. And the craziest part is the sun never rises. It, like, stays on the horizon. And so, like, right. the whole time the sun is up, it looks like a sunset. Yeah. And it's so beautiful, and I'm just in awe. And then it gets dark. And so it's like, okay, now it's, like, 11 a.m., and <laughs> now everything's dark. Like, it's midnight, <laughs> you know? And so we actually had lights on the mountain, and so we were competing at nighttime. And whenever I made my podiums uh, at Finland, that's when I really realized, I'm like, okay, this is, where I belong. This is something that I can do. And Graham pulled me aside and he had told me we had been talking about goals for the season. And I said, dude, I really, really want to make the games team. And I know it's not easy. And so we set goals for that season of what I would need to do in order to qualify and make the games team. And sure enough, in 2018, you get the announcement. What did that feel like? Man, I can't, I can't ever. It's such a hard thing to explain because it wasn't only one season of snowboarding. I mean, this was years in the making. That's you right. Know, this was 
this was the triumphant moments of just me even getting out of bed for the first time after my surgery. You know, there was a lot of, a lot of downs to it also. It wasn't yeah. all sunshine and rainbows and stoke. I mean, there was a lot of very, very hard, frustrating moments. And all of those led up into that one moment. So when I got the words that Noah Elias made the Paralympics number 14 for 2018, it was above and beyond. And that's when I knew that it's time to actually get to work because I didn't want to come this far to not get a medal at the Games. And right. so that's when I was like all hands on deck. And the craziest thing was, they we found out and we have like a month before we go to the games so you find out and it's like a quick turnaround it's like okay well time to go to the games you know you have like two weeks to prep and then we're going oh, we'll pick up there with noah elliott uh he's a paralympian gold and bronze medalist this the story you're about to hear uh between what happened in pyeongchang and beijing will absolutely blow your mind stick around folks we're back with noah elliott in just a moment and events that matter to you. AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. All right, it's the holiday season here in Southern Colorado, and that means some great entertainment is going to be coming to town, and we want to make sure you have every opportunity to get some to some great shows. So from the Broadmoor World Arena, I've got Jeff, Jeff Lapsansky, who is the program director down there. Jeff, are you with me? I am. I am. Thanks for having me, Dirk. Uh, great to have you on air, man. I know you got a lot of great shows coming in, uh, not just music, but also comedy and in- other kinds of entertainment. What's going on down there? Yeah, lots of shows. I think we seriously, we've seriously announced about 20 shows just this month of October. Um, so a couple of those coming up here quick, a few of those for next year. But uh, this weekend, we've got Skillet in town, <clears throat> played the Pikes Peak Center back in 2021. Now they're at the Broadmoor World Arena, so That's happy right. to see that show, that audience growing here in Colorado Springs. Uh, additionally, as you mentioned, the holiday season, we've got some great holiday shows on the horizon. I know we're still in pumpkin spice latte mode here with Halloween <laughs> uh, coming up around the corner, but... Yeah, you know, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, you know, every year, that's that's a classic. Everyone enjoys that show. Two shows for that one. Uh, we've got Charlie Brown Christmas. We've got the Forgotten Carols, Cirque Musica at the Pikes Peak Center, and the Philharmonic with the Nutcracker, just to name a few. Jeff, I love it. I, and you've also got some comedy shows coming and other kinds of entertainment. Uh, what, what, what do you have on the horizon coming up for some comedy? Oh yeah, that's that's really my favorite genre of, of show that we we host at the Rama World Arena and the Pikes Peak Center. Uh, we've got a lot of the, the big touring acts coming back here. Um, you know, Jerry Seinfeld hasn't been here in you know several years. He he's coming in February. Jeff Dunham uh, bringing his his he's friends fun. along for the ride. Yeah. Uh, he'll be back in February as well. Um, Nate Bargatze and Burt Kreischer, just to name a few other big ones at the, the Rama World Arena. So yeah, those are some of the biggest touring acts in comedy going around the country, and we're, we're fortunate to have them here in Colorado Springs this year. Absolutely love it, my friend. And it's never too early to get your tickets. How can folks dial in and make sure they got a seat? Yeah, absolutely. The The best way to, to get those and find out what's coming to uh, Colorado Springs is visit broadmoorworldarena.com. 
or pikespeakcenter.com. We'll have all the shows that we have uh, on each lineup on each website, on both websites. So feel free to visit there um, and sign up for our Backstage Pass newsletter to stay on top of what is coming to town uh, before the tickets go on sale. Absolutely. Jeff Lebsansky, he is over at the Broadmoor World Arena and Pikes Peak Center. Jeff, thanks for calling in, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, we're back here at True North. I'm your host, Dirk Hobbs. Quick shout-out to Ramos Law. Thank you so much for underwriting True North and uh, allowing us the opportunity to showcase the people and in our region who are among us. And uh, we are with somebody extremely special who's had some extraordinary choices to make at very young ages. And uh, we're here with Noah Elliott. He is a U.S. Paralympian uh, snowboarder. He's a gold medalist and a bronze medalist uh, at Pyeongchang. He's also got a gold medal from the World Championships in 2021 and two silvers from the World Championships uh, in 2023. But before he got there, I could say, you know, th- this is one of the most harrowing stories. So lean in and hear this story, folks. Uh, what happened in 2022 uh, will blow your mind. Uh, Sean, or, uh, Noah, walk us through what happened that year because you had already made the Olympic team in Pyeongchang. Uh, you did extremely well. You're on top of the world. And then life is going on. You're doing world championships. You're doing other things. And 2022 rolls around. Tell us what happened. You know, 2022 was a very hard year because not only was it going into my second Paralympic Games, but it actually was, you know, we're just coming out of COVID. We're still kind of in the COVID era, and all these things were happening. All of our world championships got postponed, and this started happening every single year. So we had three years of back-to-back world championships, and the Games year, 2022, I had two of the biggest competitions we ever compete in in the same season. And that's a lot of pressure, you know. It's like not only am I – I can't just focus on the main goal, which is Beijing 2022. It's now I have to focus on Lillehammer, Norway for world championships. And I also have to focus on um, Beijing. And so what ended up happening is I was the defending medalist, gold medalist um, and world title holder of dual bank slalom. And I show up in Lillehammer and I've been having leg issues with my residual limbs. So the leg that's been amputated, um, I was having like pressure sores and like little wounds on it and I couldn't get them to heal properly. And I had to continue to compete because if I didn't, I wouldn't qualify for the games. And so, you know, it was really like uh, managing the injury and and making sure that it wouldn't get worse over time. And uh, what ended up happening is I was able to successfully defend my world title and I won a second one. And that was in 2022. And what happened was, I did that and my legs started really hurting, you know, it's like all full day on snow, really, really hard riding. And I get across the line. I'm like, Oh my God, I did it. I defended it. I really wanted it. And I'm like, man, my leg is really hurting now. And I took my leg off. And that's when I realized I had about a cup of blood in my socket where my leg goes into my prosthetic. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is bad. Long story short, I was able to connect with our staff that was with us, our PTs, and Mm -hmm. got a game plan together because now we're a month out from Beijing 2022. And in that time, in that month between world championships in Norway to China, I actually had my femur bone. Uh, I stopped wearing my prosthetic. I was just on crutches. 
but the wound was so deep now and it went through all the tissue and I didn't have any padding there. So the femur bone actually came through my skin and I had about a half inch of my femur bone sticking out of my skin, which I got to tell you is the most terrifying thing you can ever see. Um, very, very nasty looking and crazy. And I was very thankful to have gotten in touch with the right doctors at the right time to make a protocol for me. And the craziest thing is the wound care specialist that was able to help convince the doctors with Team USA and their game plan to make sure that I could still actually go and try to compete because I wanted it. I wanted to go and compete still um, is actually my girlfriend now. We ended up falling in love and <laughs> she's the one who was able to give me that opportunity to go and compete at my second Paralympic Games. And so I get to the Paralympics all my teammates are all hands on deck helping me and assisting me. The rule was I couldn't wear my prosthetic until the race days. And I would get one run or two runs on a course with my prosthetic on, and then I had to compete. Yeah. And what the, the craziest thing is, and like I got back on a snowboard, you know, and I'm coming from crutches and now going like 40 miles an hour on a snowboard. <laughs> and it was just the coolest feeling it's ever. You know? It's the coolest like, oh, feeling. I love God. it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is awesome. Oh, my gosh. And, the resiliency and so in can, you is spectacular, man. <laughs> yeah. It was just crazy. I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe I can do this. I was so, so happy just to be back on a snowboard. And I compete. I was able to successfully compete at my second Paralympic Games. I got a fourth and a sixth place. Uh-huh. And coming home from that, you know, that was just the testimony of how hard you can actually push yourself. And when you think you can't go any further, I promise you, I promise you, you can. And I think that's so important for people to see and realize. And people talk about it, but actually live it is another thing. And everyone has that capability. And I hope everyone out there can take that and feel some inspiration or motivation to pursue their dreams or if they're having a rough spot in life to to keep pushing and take it day by day and just try to count your blessings in each day Um, because that's what I did. And I came home, I got my surgery. My leg now is better than ever. I'm stronger than ever. Um, you know, I didn't win the gold medal, but I tell you what, I did win the gold because I got the girl and that's, uh, <laughs> I couldn't ask for anything better. <laughs> you just cannot put this guy down. I love it. Well, look, let's, let's, did you almost pass out when you looked down and saw what had happened to your leg? When I first saw it, I was freaking out because what ended up happening is, um, it was, what was it? It was, it was February. Okay. Uh-huh. It was February 5th, my daughter's birthday. And I remember we went down to Denver. Uh, I wasn't living in Colorado Springs at the time. I was living in the mountains still. And I went down to take my daughter out to dinner, you know, and she, she loves seafood. We don't get seafood much. So she wanted red lobster. I was like, Hey, I'll take you. Let's go get some red lobster. Right on. And I had my leg all bandaged and on the drive home, I like realized that it was bleeding through. And so I just called the doctor at like, 7.30 p.m. on our drive back home and was like, hey, my bandage is bleeding. What should I do? And she's like, just she's like, just come over. Let me look at it. If we need to go to the, the hospital, we'll take you there immediately. But she's like, let me see what's going on first because she didn't tell me this, but she knew that my bone was probably going to come through the skin. Oh. And yeah, and so that and then that's when we took the bandage off and I saw it and that's when it was like, I was freaking out. And she was calm, steady, and kept me under control and was like, hey, this is okay. I knew this was going to happen. I didn't want to freak you out because mm-hmm. you're freaked out now, you know? And I'm right. like, yeah, yeah, this is my bone. <laughs> like, yeah, who wouldn't um, be? Yeah, but um, 
it was one of those things that uh, I just kind of handled for that that month that I, I had it going on. But Noah, I mean, when you're sitting there with her and you're seeing this, and you obviously you're feeling it, uh, did it ever enter your mind that okay, I think I may have reached the end of this particular road? I, you know, I, I didn't, and I think it's because I had beaten cancer. I. Mm-hmm. You know, being a, being at a children's hospital on an oncology floor receiving treatment is something that's, you know, it, it's its own thing. You get really, really sick, and you see people around you. I mean, kids, young kids, and yeah. not everyone makes it. And I think that was the hardest part. And once I, you know, once I lived through that, the bone sticking out of my leg wasn't as bad as what I had already been through, if that makes any sense at all. Of course I, it I, does, but it's amazing still. Yeah, yeah, and you know what's the weirdest part is, it took me, after I got the surgery, and like, after I started recovering, like three months after my surgery, after the games in 2022, that's when I realized it hit me, and I'm like, I can't believe I did that. And wow. looking back on it, I still can't believe that that actually happened. Um, so it, what it do you draw? my mind, but I was so focused, you know, and I was so determined to do it, mm-hmm. I didn't, I just had to do it. So what, from what do you draw strength, Noah? I mean, this is unusual. Uh, for, yeah. <laughs> for a lot of folks who have been through this many challenges, cancer, and then setbacks, uh, the way any uh, a person who's had amputation or cancer of any kind, I, I mean, you're, you're going to have periods of time of self-doubt and, and, geez, why me, all that stuff. I mean, surely you were there, but you didn't stay there long. Yeah, I think, you know, now that you say that, and I, and I start to think about it. I, I really think it all stems from my childhood because my, you know, my mom is an extremely hard worker. I mean, she is the hardest working person I have ever met and still to this day, I believe is. And so that was kind of like something that I was inspired by and was my role model growing up. But also, um, you know, my real dad wasn't in my life um, mm-hmm. for a, a, a big portion. And I had a lot of anger uh, built up. Okay. And that anger, I simply needed to figure out a way to deal with it. And, you know, getting into fistfights, stuff like that wasn't what I was trying to do. And so I tried to channel it into my skateboarding. And when skateboarding failed and I was questioning who is Noah, because at that point, Noah was young and all Noah was was now a father and he was a skateboarder. And when he wasn't a skateboarder anymore, I knew that I had to rewrite my story. Who is Noah going to be? And I think I just had a lot of anger, and I took that anger and channeled it into determination and used that as my motivation. Right. And that, I think, is where I still have it today, is it's just, I'm not angry by any means, you know? Right. But it just, I think it's in the back, and that's just that fuel and that fire that drives me forward. But this is uncommon wisdom, Noah. I mean, for a 15-year-old boy to even ask introspective questions like that, how am I going to rewrite my story? I mean, most kids at 15 are trying to figure out what they're going to do that night. You're trying to figure yeah, out how to yeah. rewrite, rewrite your entire story. I mean, is that mom coming out? I mean, who is that? I I think that is for sure. A hundred percent. That's mom coming out. Like I said, you know, she was a determined, hardworking woman and, you know, she, she, I mean, she was intense, you know, she was a welder and Mm -hmm. she did a lot of, a lot of really hardworking jobs. And so I was just kind of raised around that. And I think that over time transitioned into just who I was, you know, and it was, 
if I'm going to do something, I want to do it at 120% every time that I can. Well, God and bless her. And, that's it. And, you know, Miss Elliot, if you're out there listening to this, wow, what a tremendous blessing uh, you imparted on your son Noah. And this this is nothing short of an incredible story of resiliency, overcoming, and just pure optimism. And, uh, no, it's a pleasure to speak with you. you got one more sector ahead. I want to figure out what life after sport is going to look like for you. When, you're, when you've done a great run, man, what is your total jam song? Man, i got to say, you know, I've got a pump-up song, and then we all got the team song after. Mm-hmm. Uh, my pump-up song has got to be Nas 4016 building. Um, just really hype, extensive music, and really just gets me excited and ready for the course to attack the course. So um, that's something that I always love to listen to. Rock on. I got so many kids in the game, it's like the gender revealing. One critical fact that needs to be established is that your injuries were caused by the accident incident you were involved in. For your case to have merit, it must be made clear that had you not been in the crash in the first place, you wouldn't have been hurt. This is one of the most important steps in the entire process, and leaving it to anyone but an expert is a serious mistake. Ramos Law, doctor, lawyer, partner, combining medical and legal knowledge for better outcomes for you. The hate is real, but you should note that the love is way real, a crafty with a Fourth quarter here with True North. I'm hanging out with Noah Elliott. He is a U.S. Paralympian gold medalist and bronze medalist from Pyeongchang in snowboard cross and bank slalom. Man, uh, what a privilege this conversation has been. This is the story of a gentleman who just does not know the answer to sit down. Uh, he has beaten cancer. He has a prosthetic uh, journey that will blow your mind. And uh, the optimism coming out of this young man is simply contagious. What a pleasure. Uh, no, you're in Park City today. Thanks for getting on the phone with us and talking to us. Uh, what are you guys doing out there? We're out here doing a training camp and getting ready for the World Cup season coming up. So out here for a week, focusing on snowboard-specific training and uh, lifting some weights and getting excited. Right on, brother. And, of course, we've got uh, downstream, we've got Cortina Italy in your sights. That's 2026. It's a ways out. Uh, But you're feeling strong right now? Man, I feel better than ever. And it's, it's kind of one of those things. My teammate told me yesterday, she said, man, you're really out for blood, aren't you? And I said, <laughs> yes, because <laughs> my last games, you know, I really, I really wanted to do well and I had this injury. And so I'm just very thankful to be healthy now and have everything under wraps and be stronger and preparing for uh, the games in Italy. So I'm, uh, I'm heading full steam ahead. So what does your day look like these days? I mean, I mean you're a full-time professional athlete, a uh, full-time Paralympian. What is that? What does that day look like? How do you keep the family balance going? And now you've got Kate in your life. Uh, How does it all work out? You know, I'm super thankful to have the support of Kate, my girlfriend, and, um, and, and my training regimen right now, you know, it's starting to shift back into winter training because uh, it's been summer and we've been in the off season. And so off seasons, it's mostly like cross uh, cross sport training, like skateboarding, and then also lifting. So the bulk season, right, where you really want to bulk up and add some muscle onto you so you're stronger mm-hmm. and heavier and more capable when wintertime comes around and more powerful. So that's really what I've been focusing on. 
Um, but now it's the transition of point where I just got these new race boards. They're getting grinded and worked on right now. And I'm going to take them out, get them ready and perhaps get all my gear together. And I mean, really get everything pieced up because in November, right after Thanksgiving, uh, I go to my first world cup. Mm-hmm. And, and that's in December, correct? Uh, November. It's like right after Thanksgiving. Right after Thanksgiving. Okay. So that's your World Cup. Uh, Is that the Netherlands that you're headed to? That's correct. Yeah. 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 It's in the Netherlands and Longgraaf. And that's Snow World out there. So uh, keep an eye on Noah Elliott and what he's doing because if you hear this broadcast, you're going to want to make sure you follow this guy. Uh, How do we keep up with you otherwise? I mean, do you have an Instagram handle, all that good stuff? Absolutely. I would love to keep in touch. Um, and for anyone who wants to follow my journey, my Instagram is my last name, Elliot, E-L-L-I-O-T-T underscore Cindy, S-E-N-D-Y. And that's my Instagram. My Facebook is just my full name, Noah Elliott. Uh, I'm also a keynote speaker. I'm working on my book that I want to publish in the future. Um, so I'm also booking keynote presentations out. If people are looking to book, they can reach me out on Instagram or shoot me an email through my Instagram also. Right on. Uh, now, in these keynotes, uh, I hear, you know, you got a book in your in your head as well. Um, what are some of the key com- components uh, of that session with you? What do, what do you really talk about? You know, it, it kind of switches and changes based on who is looking to have me present, right, and who the audience is. And I really want to cater towards the audience because I want them to be able to take away something and leave that presentation and leave that session feeling inspired and not forgetting about it. Mm-hmm. I want them the next day after they heard me speak, a week after they heard me speak, a month after they heard me speak, still holding and carrying on to some things that are going to help them find success in their life or if they're just having a hard time. If, you know, for better lack of words, everything just hits the fan and goes up. Mm-hmm. How can they continue to pursue and feel good about themselves in those times? And so um, those are the things I talk a little bit about my journey. I talk specifically about certain stories throughout my journey that um, I had lived through and how I pr- processed and got through those, as well as incorporating things that they see on a daily life. You know, if the audience is uh, a business company, you know, I talk about some of those things that um, also cross over between my field of sport and actually their field of working. Right. And there's setbacks in business, obviously, and, and the workforce. And so we've just got to overcome those. I mean, what are some of the takeaways, you know, when you see somebody who's, there's, there's two versions. You got somebody who's kind of feeling sorry for themselves. Uh, and then you've got somebody who's really going through it. I mean, um, your journey, for example, or heck on a global scale, you know, the Israeli situation. I mean, look, look at what's yeah. happening to those people. Um, first, I, I, I don't wonder how Noah calibrates that. I wonder what advice you give to people uh, to say, look, uh, if you're just feeling sorry for yourself, let me help you get out of that. Uh, here are some easy steps to take to get on, on your way. I, honestly, I think the biggest part is there's phases to it. I'm not Superman. At the end of the day, I have been through a lot. I've been faced with a lot. But at the end of the day, I'm just as human as anyone else. Um, I have had hard situations, and I've learned how to get through those. And that's something that, you know, I think everyone goes through. Like, Mm -hmm. everyone has hard days. Everyone has hard situations that they live and have to deal with throughout their lifetime. And, you know, mine all happened very early in my life, um, and I'm sure there's going to be more in the future. You never know what the future holds. But um, 
the biggest thing is it's okay. There's phases to it. You're going to be down at times. I'm down at times, you know, and just processing it. I think the biggest thing is just remembering to not sit there. Don't sit there and still water and just leave it. You have to have your time, process it, but set a, set a goal. Say, okay, I'm going to give myself a week to feel bad about it or two days to feel bad about it. And then I'm going to go into the next phase and just say, I'm going to start working on, okay, well, how do I adapt? What's the new outcome? What can I make, turn this into? And I always try to see the positive in mm-hmm. it. And that, I think, helps me make a game plan for when I am down to be able to get out of it quicker and kind of move on, you know, and move past it and be stronger and continue on. How many uh, keynotes are you giving a year? Uh, right now, actually, uh, with my surgery and everything, uh, this past year, it slowed down a little bit. But this season already, I've already done like three or four, and I'm I'm booking out right now. So if people are interested, please reach out. Absolutely. Well, good luck. Stay healthy, my friend. Uh, we hope to see you out and about in the community. And uh, j- just stay well, man. You, you deserve a little bit of a break. I mean, certainly you have earned it. And uh, we just wish you all the best. Noah Elliott. Thank you. All right, brother. All right. Well, stay with us, folks. Uh, I want to invite you to a November 14th special presentation addressing mental wellness. Uh, This is a uh, combination effort between Children's Hospital and Colorado College. An amazing presentation with athletic director at Colorado College, Leslie Irvine, and uh, past president and CEO of Children's Hospital Colorado. She's now a strategic advisor, Margaret Saban. They will both be presenting to an executive audience at Notes Bar on November 14th. You can register on our website at coloradomediagroup.com, and you can also go to bootbarnhall.com, and they've got a QR code for you to register. So uh, thanks again to my very special guest, Noah Elliott, uh, the snowboarding champion, uh, Paralympian from uh, Pyeongchang, and he has got his sights on Cortina. So let's root for Noah. Noah, thank you again, sir. Appreciate you. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me, and uh, God bless everyone. God bless. All right, to wrap up this show, we're going to leave you with Huey Lewis in The Power of Love. It's certainly something no Elliot understands. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. See you next week. True North with your host, Dirk Hobbs, Saturday mornings at 8 on AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.